Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk turned traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Hi, I'm Keegan. And I'm Madigan. And you're listening to Your Angry Neighborhood Feminist. This is a podcast where we explore the world through our own personal feminist perspective. Happy New Year, Keegan. Happy New Year to you, Madigan. So we are recording this on New Year's Eve. Yep. Ready to say goodbye to the terrible, terrible year that was 2020. Yes, and ready to bring on the new, hopefully slightly less terrible year of 2021. Cautiously optimistic. Yeah, totally. So we haven't recorded since before Christmas, so I wanted to ask you, Keegan, what your favorite Christmas present was this year. Oh, man, my favorite Christmas present. Well, Anthony got me a David Rose sweater. (gasps) I saw that on Instagram. Sweater. I freaking love that thing. Um, It looks great on you, too. Oh, thank you. (laughs) Uh, Anthony's mom got me this thing so that, like, you don't ever have to recork your wine. It's like a pourer thing for oh, wine. Oh, yeah. It's the it's the aerator. Not aerator, but the thing that you put in that it kind of, like, helps. Yeah, it, it helps keeping the keep the wine from getting, like, oxygenated. Yeah. Which is nice so yeah. it doesn't, like, go bad on you. I've gotten that two years in a row now from Max's mom. Oh, wow. <laughs> I think she forgot that she gave one to me last year, so I got another one. I'm not mad at it. Well, it's it's pretty cool. Um, right in time for me to start sober October or not sober October, <laughs> dry January. It's like what what month are we even in? What oh is my god, life. what is it? Uh, but yeah, it's just in time for me to start dry January. But it was a very thoughtful gift. Um, yeah, I mean, it was a nice holiday. Good, I had a pretty chill day. What was your favorite gift this year? Huh. Well, I think collectively, Max and I got really, really, really excited about a knife set or like the starting of oh. a knife set that my mom got me. That's how you know you're in your like late 20s. Like you're completely in adulthood when you get excited about shit like yeah. that. Yeah. Max completely cleaned the kitchen and reorganized just for the knife block to look its best in our kitchen. Um, and then along with that, I got I got two cookbooks. I got a Chrissy Teigen cookbook. and nice. But my favorite, I sent this to you immediately because it was up your alley as well. But Max got me this great like old British baking cookbook. And it's got all these like amazing, like super decadent old school recipes mm, in it. I love it. But then like also a lot of things because I was looking through it and I'm like, I wonder if there's anything that I could make even like right now if I wanted to. And there were some things that had... You know, I already had most of the ingredients in my fridge and stuff, but it was like a dessert I never heard of. So I am super excited to play with my new knives and um, cookbook. (laughs) Yes. Oh, man. It was a, you know, it was a weird year. We didn't really 
do much, of course, because we didn't go anywhere. Um, but it was still nice. I mean, we made a nice dinner. Yeah. I took a plate to a friend who was, uh, you know, alone on yeah. Christmas. So I brought him a plate. Because like my family, we never went anywhere on Christmas. It was always just the three of us. So I'm used to that. Like we had our like Christmas breakfast and then we would, you know, open our presents and then everyone just kind of hung out and played with their new gadgets or just did their thing and relaxed. And that's kind of just essentially what we did well, this year same. only by ourselves, you know, same. But it's different because it's what we've been doing. It's kind of like, yeah, I feel that way right now about this gap between Christmas and New Year's, because usually we look forward to having the week off and just like relaxing, lounging around the house and not leaving the house and just being kind of like cozy shut ins. But this year it doesn't hit the same because we've been doing that right. for months. It's not a luxury anymore to us. It's just right. our day-to-day lives. Yeah. And I mean, mm-hmm. it's almost like worse, I feel like, around the holidays. I feel almost more like I have to stay inside and be isolated just because, especially around my house, there's so many people constantly so close to the door of my apartment not wearing masks where it's just like, okay, I'm going to stay inside oh, and hide gosh. from everybody. I need this to be over. Oh my God, do I ever need this to be over? I just really miss my family a lot. I miss everyone. I know. I miss every person. I want to kiss every person I know on the mouth when this is over. I literally just said that in a job interview. They asked the first thing I was going to do when when the pandemic was over. And it was a video like application that I had to send in so I was like this might be kind of weird but if I'm being honest the first thing I'm gonna do when this pandemic is over is grab every single one of my girlfriends by the face and kiss them on the mouth like I miss every person so I I just miss like hugging people and feeling people Mm -hmm. (laughs) I miss it oh yeah it's tough oh Mm. it's tough well should we should we talk more (laughs) coronavirus stuff and talk about the fact that bitch McConnell does Ugh. not want. I mean, actually, that's that's offensive to bitches. I shouldn't call him that. That's right. <laughs> uh, so Mitch McConnell said that he wouldn't be bullied into raising the stimulus bill from six hundred to the two thousand uh, dollar checks that both Republicans and Democrats seem to be pushing for. But Mitch McConnell is kind of putting his foot down here and saying that he won't do it. Um, on Wednesday, he said that the chamber will not vote on a House passed stimulus bill and Trump has said that it would be a death wish if Republicans didn't boost the stimulus amount from $600 which is crazy for me to hear Trump even admit well, that Trump is just Trump is just being messy like at this oh, point yeah. I think he's just sowing chaos he doesn't um, I know don't think where he, he is anymore yeah he's just like whatever but I it is still surprising that he was like yeah you need to give more money I was not expecting that from Trump of all people I mean, I think he's trying to make himself look better, um, which he should try because he looks fucking bad. Um, You know, this hasn't been the best four years for him. So if he can try to do anything, I guess. But his supporters don't care. Like I occasionally about once a day now I've slowed down to about once a day getting on Trump's Twitter feed. But those people, they believe in him. Yeah. So hard. Like it's insane it's, it is so wild to see it's just blind it, it's blind following you know it's, it's just it's cult like it's it, so wild it is 100% a cult it's the cult of Trump 100% so Mitch was saying that the bill has no realistic path to quickly pass the Senate and instead he wants to bundle the $2,000 checks with a broader bill that includes complaints about the 2020 election from Trump so that kind of goes into I think 
was it the last mini episode that we were talking about um, the bill that they want to have to help prevent um, being sued for people getting coronavirus. Oh, the liability. Yeah. yeah the business liability portion of the bill. Yeah. So there's mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. And then there's also something about the 2020 election. And then the $2,000 is like thrown within that. And I don't know enough about all this bill stuff. It starts to jumble my brain after a while when I try to read it for too long. Um, but it seems like if that were to happen, like if we were to have our stimulus checks clumped in with this other bill, it wouldn't actually be helpful. From what I understand, what do you know about all this? I I don't know anything, (laughs) to be honest. Like, I really haven't been following it that closely. Um, I I know the basics, basically, that it was supposed to pass. And then it actually got delayed because Trump was like, never mind. I want everyone to have $2,000, which was actually really shitty because then a lot of people's unemployment was delayed and things like that. Right. And then the Democrats in the House were like, Cool, sweet, we love it. Let's go with it. And then Mitch McConnell, Mitch McConnell was like, "Nah, put his foot down." <laughs> That's what yeah. I know. That's and then, all I know. Yeah, and I remember I was reading this morning that he kept uh, saying that it was like socialism for the rich. That it would like all this money would be going toward like rich people. Like it, it's complete nonsense. Uh, this whole situation seems really messy to me, and so I don't really know what's going to come from it. I hope that I at least get some money. I don't want just six hundred dollars, but. I want to get something. If I could get $2,000, my life would be so much easier for this unemployed girl right now. Yeah, I I know what you mean. Look, it's hard out there. And Anthony and I have jobs and we are very, you know, grateful to still be employed and everything like that. But life is just fucking expensive, man. Like I was telling you, we had to take our cat Hicks to the emergency vet on Christmas Eve Six hundred and fifty dollar vet bill. That boy. I'm paying my health insurance every month. It's three hundred dollars a month. That's like living is expensive. Yeah. Um, six hundred dollars for people who have not been working, um, or who have medical bills or any of that stuff, is nothing. It's it's really nothing, especially in a city like Los Angeles where your cost of living is so high. Yeah. I mean, six hundred doesn't even cover your rent. Yeah, it's not even scratching the very, very surface of the problem. Like there, and even two thousand dollars isn't going to fix this economy and people's problems. I mean, we already had such astronomical rates of you know homelessness and unemployment before the pandemic, and it's just gotten worse and worse throughout the year. So it's going to take, unfortunately, a really long time. I think for everybody to kind of get their lives back financially as well. Except for like, did you watch um, the Netflix? what was it called death to 2020 no i didn't oh my gosh you have to watch it so the guy i think joe something the actor from stranger things who played steve okay he's in it um so it's like a mockumentary where actors play uh like it's actors that are playing kind of like different tropes of people during the pandemic so this guy was like um he had lost his job so he started like uh, recapping the news on YouTube and he was like yeah I made like 17 million dollars this year blah 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 like I feel like Instagram influencers and YouTubers have probably made it out the best and like Amazon and big companies like that have definitely made it out the best this year from like I mean all that Madigan you don't feel bad for <laughs> Instagram influencers, I mean, they couldn't go out and party and promote their stuff on Instagram the way that they usually do. Where could they take their pictures? Oh my gosh, Keegan, you know the pink wall 
on is it Highland uh-huh. that it's on? I, I I wanted to say it was on Melrose, but I don't know. Maybe, maybe Melrose. I don't know, but I. Yes, it's on Melrose. I was driving down that street doing deliveries like a week ago and there was nobody in front of the pink wall. I've never in my life driven by that wall and not seen like either a group or like a line of people posing in front of it to take pictures for Instagram. Yeah, everybody is so depressed. Um, (laughs) We are all so despondent. Um, If I have to wear a pair of pants that clings to my body in any way, I'm like immediately furious. Like all I want to do is wear sweatpants, and like uh, loose fitting jumpsuits I can't, and sit in my house. I've been doing I've been doing just like my looser fitting jeans and I wear a lot of like one pieces and jumpsuits and sweaters and stuff, but I can't stay in my sweatpants anymore. Like during this whole pandemic, I've had to make myself get dressed every day or else I don't get anything done. Like earlier this week when it was like pouring rain and all I wanted to do was stay in bed, I put on skinny jeans. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I kept those skinny jeans on for a good like five hours that I would be productive and like stay up at my computer and like do work and not just veg out on the couch. I'm I'm in the market for some new sweatpants because I have my nighttime comfy pants mm-hmm. and then I, I would get up and put on my work sweatpants. But you see, <laughs> I've worn them so much yeah. that they had they had a hole in the crotch. Yeah, now they're night sweatpants. Mine are too. So I bought a yeah, pair I can't use them anymore. I bought two pairs of sweatpants in the beginning of the pandemic because I'm like, if I'm gonna be in my sweats all the time, I want them to like look cute. So I bought a couple pairs from Cotton On and one pair in particular, I they're so thin like I've I don't I've only had them since maybe like April and I they feel like I've had them for years there's little holes in them they're just worn mm-hmm. down yeah, I've worn them every day to every zoom meeting I've had at work I love like it. just wore them out we're gonna have anyway. to like frame our quarantine clothes at the end of all this oh, just to fuck's sake commemorate like, all I want to do is wear cute clothes again like I just want to look cute yeah. And go out like it's New Year's Eve. Like normally right now I would be getting ready. I'd have music bumping. I'd yeah. be putting on the most glittery eyeshadow. <laughs> and no. Yeah. Nothing. Nothing. Nothing at all. I know. I put a dress on for Christmas, but it was like a it was a vintage. I think it was from the 70s or 80s. It was like a green velvet like short dress, but it was I like a turtleneck. It. And it was so comfortable because I looked really cute like I was put together, but I wasn't even wearing a bra. So it was kind of like mm. I was just wearing a nightgown, but I looked... The best of both worlds. Yeah, but I looked really put together. It was great. <laughs> oh, okay. Well... I've got a couple other things that I could talk about, but what do you want to talk about? Well, this is kind of an older story as in earlier in the month of December okay. is when this story hit, but we didn't cover it. So I figure, why not talk about it now? Okay. So there is a town called Murdoch, Minnesota. It's a very small um Murdoch, Minnesota. Town. It's yeah, got to be like, pretty north. It's a hundred miles outside of Minnesota, uh, Minneapolis, Minneapolis. I was going to say, what ci- what city am I from? What? Actually, I'm not from Minneapolis. I shouldn't say that. But it's about 100 miles outside of that. Okay. So officials in this town, in Swift County, I don't know if that means anything to you. That means nothing to me, no. Um, But officials in this town voted three to one in early December to allow the Asatru Folk Assembly, which is a white supremacist pre-Christian religious group, Mm. to use a former Lutheran church as their gathering place. Oh. So this this church only has like 
a couple of physical gathering places in the country, like three. Um, and they wanted as it should another be. one. Like, we should be keeping mm-hmm. that as low as possible. Mm-hmm. So the city council had a brief discussion. They didn't take any public comments before the vote. And the uh, mayor, a guy named Craig Kavanaugh, he, before the vote, he actually started off by reading a statement on the ha- on behalf of the city condemning racism in all forms. Oh, my gosh. But the city attorney, Don Wilcox, told the council members that the question before them was a zoning matter. And he said that the city can impose conditions um, on things like parking traffic or noise. But because the AFA is a religious organization, their speech is protected as long as it doesn't cause any violence. So so, so essentially, then they're going to allow it and then until there's violence, then they can step in. But you can't say no mm-hmm. to it because they're not obviously violent at the time. Or if they were to violate a rule, they would be able to. That's act just at that so point. frustrating, though, that it's like even though you know, even though we know the history of these like white nationalist terrorist groups and how dangerous and violent they are, the fact that you're like, well, I guess we can't really do anything about it. Like we have to let, like that doesn't seem right to me. No, it's, I mean, and a lot of people disagree. Like, there are a lot of people um, in Minnesota, like lawmakers, who are like, um, actually, you could have denied it on this reason, this reason, and that reason. Mm. But but the mayor basically said that they were highly advised by their attorney to pass the, the permit for legal reasons to protect First Amendment rights. Yep. And that they knew that if they denied it, they were going to have a really expensive legal battle on their hands. Yeah, because so, there would be enough people that would rise up against that I mean the first amendment and the second I feel like especially with like uber conservatives are like really big things to push on when there's hate speech involved especially where it's like well you can't squash my like first amendment rights where I feel like if they weren't to have passed it if I don't know this city in particular but if I'm imagining the little farm towns that I've driven through growing up it's probably very filled with like conservative conservative people that would probably feel like their freedoms are being trampled upon if they're you know. Well, okay, I'll get to that in just a minute. Okay. But, but yes, like, okay, anyway. So there was only one dissenting vote, and it was a woman, of course, and her name was Stephanie Hoff, and her council term ends this month, so maybe that's why she was like, fuck it. Yeah, she's like, um, I don't care what y'all think of me. Right, but she said, quote, I know that we have the legality standpoint, and I personally felt we had a chance to fight it. I think we could have fought it, and had we went to court. I felt that we had a case with the emotional and mental well-being of the city of Murdoch. So basically saying, like, we have a case that this is going to be detrimental to the well-being of our city and our citizens um, because they no longer feel safe because they have this white supremacist group who is now, like, living taken. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So to to kind of elaborate on what the Asa True Folk Assembly is... It is a revived ethnic faith movement, sometimes called neo-paganism or neo-Volkic, and it's based on old beliefs. So it's an old Norse religion, and they worship pre-Christian gods I was going to say, it it sounds like, uh, it sounded very Nordic, which makes sense for for Minnesota, because it's, we're all Scandinavian Vikings up there, so... Yeah, yeah. So they were. If we're gonna like have four. a, if we're gonna have a white supremacist group in Minnesota, it's gonna be a Scandinavian well, white supremacist group. It's I knew fitting. this. 
already because like I knew that neo-Nazis and white supremacist groups were co-opting like Viking culture. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's why like you should be worried if like you meet a white guy who's like really into Viking culture. Yeah. Um, Except because, the Minnesota like, Vikings. That's sure. Fine. Yes. Sports teams <laughs> will allow an exception for a sports team. Yeah. I remember in, though in general, the videos during uh, the protests in the spring and in the summer of Viking guys going out and kind of like fighting against the protesters. Do you remember seeing those videos? Um, I don't, but I'm not surprised. Yeah, I remember seeing that where there was it was guys in like Viking helmets and axes, like fake ones, yeah, you know. It's, it's not surprising. And, you know, I feel for people who kind of like that culture, it sucks that like it's been co-opted by this neo-Nazi group. Yeah, my cousin literally just named his baby after like some sort of like viking something (laughs) if it's part of your heritage like i get it being kind of a cool thing you know the vikings were kind of badass even though they did a lot of real shady shit yeah um so i get that and it sucks that you can't be like i like viking shit without people thinking you're a white supremacist but unfortunately that's where we're at yeah you're not going to be safe if you're into viking memorabilia these days No. Um, So the Southern Poverty Law Center has labeled the AFA a neo-Volkish hate group. Mm -hmm. On their website, the AFA statements, um, the AFA has a statement of ethics and it includes, quote, we in Astru, Astru, I don't know how to say this, Astru, A-S-A-T-R-U. We're going to say that. That sounds right to me. Support Astru. Or Astru. I don't know. Whatever. Who cares? (laughs) Um, We in Asatru support strong, healthy, white family relationships. We want our children to grow up to be mothers and fathers to white children of their own. On their website, it says that. Fuck you. But to their credit, the people of Murdoch do not appear to be taking this lying down. Okay, fucking good. That was my biggest fear. I'm like, is there going to be a fucking like white supremacist uprising in northern Minnesota? Like, this is scary. (laughs) No. So that's kind of what I wanted to say. Like, even though this is a small farming town, um, there's a lot of migrants who work in the town. Mm -hmm. um, And a lot of people in the Murdoch area are like, we don't want people to think that our town is racist. that We are like down or okay with this. So opponents have collected about 50,000 signatures on an online petition to stop this all-white church from making its home in their farming town of 280 people. Oh, so that's my. a tiny place. Well, yeah, and then, sorry to cut you off again, but if you're thinking of bringing in, like, a congregation of these white supremacists and you only have a town of 280 people, if mm-hmm. even 50 people come, like, it's a bit of a takeover almost. Like, it is going to affect the town in a really big way. Right. I mean, and I I saw some takes from, you know, law professors or other people who were basically saying, like, you could have denied this on the grounds that, like, it is explicitly saying that certain races are not allowed to join. Yeah. Like, it's discriminatory. So I feel like there were ways that they could have got around this. Yeah. Um, opponents say that they'll be watching closely to see if the group violates any conditions of the one-year permit. And if they do, they will report them. So they've got people basically like watching them. Um, the Murdoch Area Alliance Against Hate called it a devastating and difficult day for Murdoch. Um, and 
one of the representatives from the Murdoch Area Alliance Against Hate said, quote, residents no longer feel safe with the presence of the Asatrue Folk Assembly in their community. Any anger, fear, or resentment about the new reality Murdoch faces should be focused towards the future of Murdoch. The AFA has made this our new reality. We need to set our sights on how to make it safe and free for the people of Murdoch and the surrounding communities. So it does appear as though... They are going through with it. Oh, they're going through with it. But it does sound like there are like um, people in the area who are committed to keeping pushing back. Good. Good. That's great. I think that. Well, then I think that's wonderful because there is definitely a stigma with small farming towns for it not necessarily being the most progressive areas. So to hear that makes me feel really good. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so I want to talk a little bit about the Breonna Taylor statue. Um, So for those of you who aren't aware of kind of this whole story, about two weeks ago, there was this like bronze bust statue that went up of Breonna Taylor in Oakland. And very soon after, I believe it was like days after it went up, it was vandalized and smashed into several pieces Uh, The statue included a plaque reading, Say Her Name, Breonna Taylor, and the artist Leo Carson said he was stunned, shocked, and hurt by the vandalism. And the Oakland police said that they were going to be looking into the incident and that a report was filed and all of this kind of stuff. And so with all of that happening, the artist was really distressed and he wanted to rebuild the statue to continue to commemorate Breonna Taylor. So he started a GoFundMe page where his goal was $5,000 to get uh, like sturdier bronze materials that wouldn't be so easy to be destroyed. And the GoFundMe raised $25,644. Wow. And since the artist doesn't need all of that money, he only needs a certain amount to get like the sturdier materials, he's going to be donating the rest of the money to Brianna's family. Oh, wow. That's amazing. So it's one of those stories like I was so mad as I was reading about the vandalism and you know oh we've the police are like we've got a report we're gonna look into it yada yada i'm like i'm so hopeless when it comes to people doing something about her case now that it just even reading that i'm like sure you have a report filed or whatever but what are you really gonna do so the fact that the artist really took it upon himself and is being so selfless to be able to give all that money to the family i think is amazing And the fact that so many people donated, I mean, I do feel like 2020 was the year of like the ordinary person. Like it actually kind of annoys me that times person of the year, people of the year were like Joe Biden and Kamala Harris, because I'm like, it really wasn't their year. No. I mean, it, it was, was like the health year. It was the healthcare workers. It was the people yeah, that protested yes. and donated and exactly, exactly. Made phone like, calls and yeah. Mm -hmm. Like this was the year of the everyday American, like all of this this was the essential workers year. People who got up and fucking like went to work to make sure that the country kept moving. Yeah. Care workers who put their life on the line every day and activists who decided enough was enough. And like we're going to do our best to make sure people vote and Uh get out in the streets and advocate for change. It was our year yeah <laughs> you know oh yeah um, I mean it was a year that I think that everybody became more socially conscious and that everybody started to I think I want to say I, I can't say everybody so I take that back but I think a lot of people just started to care a little bit more even though I don't see that on a daily basis with the lack of masks that I see 
people wearing. I'm not bitter. It's fine. Um, but yeah, this story was just very, it was really touching to me because I was so sad to see this broken bust statue. It's just, it's of her head. It's of her face and it's busted and broken. And it was just this awful, yeah. awful yeah. image. And it's so sad. So I, I had written my notes for this a couple days ago. And then this morning when I was like, okay, let's see if there's any updates on anything before we record. That was when I saw that he got all this money and that he's going to rebuild it. He's going to give this money to the family. And as much as it's an unfortunate situation for it to have been vandalized to begin with, and I really hope that whoever did it is discovered. I hope there's like some security footage somewhere or something because that person deserves to be punished for what they did but I right. but I like that the story went full circle in a way where everything's going to be patched up in a way again you know yeah yeah well you know that actually kind of brings me to my next story all here. right so there was a photo that started to circulate online of a group of proud boys wearing yellow and black kilts which I guess yellow and black are proud boys colors yeah I, I, I think know. I remember from the day after the the debate where Trump told them to stand back and stand down I remember seeing the stand by stand yeah. by and stand, mm-hmm. stand yeah and having the logo be like black and gold or black and yellow or something yeah which I didn't know that so I guess black and yellow are Proud Boys colors. Oh, but so yellow is my favorite sp- color. I mean, yeah. And I feel like black and yellow, a lot of black activism groups use those colors. So I feel like Black Lives Matter even uses black and yellow yeah. a lot. That's a yeah, really so. good. Maybe there's, maybe that's why. If they're trying to co-opt that, maybe. I wonder. Or maybe like um, disguise it. I don't know. Interesting. Yeah. So this photo started circulating of them wearing these um, kilts. And I do think it is important. We have talked about the Proud Boys several times on this podcast, but it is important to reiterate that the Proud Boys um, are a designated hate group. They've been designated a hate group by the Southern Poverty Law Center. Uh, But these kilts that they were wearing were made by a small clothing brand called Verilis. Um, And when these images got back to the company's owner, he was horrified okay good the 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 brand's vice president is justin larose and the company is lgbtq owned (gasps) um yes okay did the proud boys know this i don't think (laughs) so because that's actually kind of funny like i hope somebody has told them that the kilts that they're wearing were made by a company that they know now (laughs) i'm sure they know now that makes Um, me happy the vice president, though, like he was really worried, as I would be as well. He's it's a small like I think he said it's like an 80 person company. Wow. Like it's a very small clothing company. How do they, they do even themselves. find them? And I'm sure they Googled like kilts, you know, and like, <laughs> what came up or whatever. Do you really do you um, think that's what they Googled, Keegan, to find kilts? Do you think they Googled kilts? kilts? Good. Yes. Good. Black, yellow kilts. <laughs> and it's the first thing that came up and they were like good 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 that's how that's how i do my shopping i don't know about you <laughs> just um, type in one word into google kilts and just see what comes up what i do <laughs> well i mean there is the shopping tab so like i guess you can do that i just think it's funny that you're like yeah i just picture like some proud boy sitting at his computer and just being like uh it's google literally what i would do kilts <laughs> kilts 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 <laughs> Just saying. Um, But so they were, I mean, this company is concerned that their brand is now going to be associated with this hate group. And like, they were like, Verilis is 
directly against what the Proud Boys stand for. So he responded um, on Twitter through the Verilis Twitter account saying, disgusted to see members of a fascist terrorist organization wearing our products. We are a LGBTQIA plus owned, operated, designed, and lived. We're against everything they stand for. I see $750 of our gear in that picture. Mm. So I just gave $1,000 to the NAACP to redirect hate to love. Yes, that's what's <laughs> up. So we, So they just took the money from the Proud Boys, added to it, and put it towards something great. I think that's right, awesome. Yeah. Yeah, and he received so much support. The brand received so much um, support from people. Uh, He said almost immediately, like within an hour, people were behind us and they were amplifying our message because they recognized how small we are and how little power and how little say we had in the situation to begin with. Um, That's the thing is you, you just don't know who's... I mean, we don't know who's listening to us. We don't know. Like, there's mm-hmm. all of these things. Actually, what's pretty funny is a show that I listen to that's a true crime comedy podcast. They went through their Patreon listeners and there were, like, some people, like, not, I think there was a couple, like, actual, like, criminals that listened, to, like, to their Patreon. But there was also, like, other people that were just, like, involved in the crimes or, like, witnesses and yes, stuff. Yes, I remember that. And I'm like, that is so crazy because it happens to a lot of podcasts and stuff where you know you don't have any control over who has your product or what they do with it or anything like that so I'm glad that people at least recognize that like this isn't the company's fault you know I'm they weren't like oh you're the proud boys let us give you all this stuff so I'm glad that that's recognized that they were in such a difficult situation but handled it so perfectly Yeah, and so I wanted to give them a shout out because not only do they sell kilts, um, but they also have um, LGBTQ plus pride designs. um, Do they have pride themed kilts? I think so. I haven't looked, but I think so. My God, I am getting a pride kilt (laughs) and they also sell hoodies boots tunics and fairy wings so if anybody would like to check out their products please do that um the owner whose name is alistair greenbrier which made me laugh because i was like that sounds like a harry potter i was well alistair yeah but totally alistair greenbrier yeah definitely the next teacher of defense against the dark arts 100 percent Um, He told the BBC that Verilis had removed the black and yellow kilt design from the website. Good. But everything else um, is up if anybody wants to go give that a look-see. I love it. Like, thank God for good people. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like in Mm -hmm. my day-to-day life, I am nothing but frustrated with other human beings. So when I hear about the goodness of people's hearts coming forward, especially now when we can't be together, it always makes me feel a little bit better about humanity. You know? Yeah, honestly. 2020 was a garbage dumpster fire, <laughs> but I will say, like, there were moments of us coming together yeah. as a people that were really inspiring. There was a lot of, I think, moments in the years to come that we're going to look back on. And I don't know if it's going to be looking back fondly, but I think it's going to be looking back on this year as just such a historic time. You know, they say that in everyone's lifetime, they go through one 
like major world altering event. And the fact that, you Mm -hmm. know, you and I have been through two, I would say, you know, is just this very bizarre thing where we're going to see our country shift yet again. Mm -hmm. So I I just think it's a it's a fascinating thing to be a part of history in some way, even if it's felt so frustrating to go through it. Being a part of it still is something that I feel like I'm going to cherish when I'm older. Yeah, it's transformative. I think a lot of individuals have changed or are changing from this. And I think uh, the world has changed and will continue to change as a result of the events of 2020. Yeah, man, what a... What a momentous year. And it's crazy that it's like it was 2020. It wasn't like 2019 or I mean, it started in 2019 with, you know, the coronavirus and everything. But it was it's such a like a momentous sounding year having it be 2020. So having it be as historic as it was makes sense. I think we're going back into the roaring 20s, baby. Baby. Because a lot of people, you know, a lot of people attribute kind of the party atmosphere of the 1920s, not only to prohibition, making it kind of like scandalous, yeah. but also um, having just come out of the 1918 flu, influenza, <gasps> yeah, Spanish flu, that people were like, we want to go nuts. That's, and so I think that that's going to happen. That's what's going to happen. Everybody is going to just be partying like crazy once we can again. And the first time WAP comes on in the club, <laughs> uh, we're not ready. We're not ready. We're as not a people. ready. Oh my gosh. I, I think I'm actually going to become a night person when this is over. Like I've never been one that's like, let's go out and like go to bars and hang out. But now I think I might become one of those people when this is over. I'm going to party so hard. I know you are. That's not a question. <laughs> so you can party me under any table. Oh man. <laughs> well, happy new year, everybody. Welcome to 2021. I hope that your new year is starting off well. Um, I don't know what else I wanted to say to that. Um, Another reminder that we are going to be doing our third year anniversary episode. Uh, So we want all of you to send in your ask me anything questions before then. And when did I say that I wanted those in by... 18th, I think, 18th, January 18th. on Martin Luther King Jr. Day. If you could have all of your questions into us by then, that would be great. Uh, for our special anniversary episode, go ahead and email us at neighborhoodfeminist at gmail.com. You can also ask your questions and follow us on Instagram at Angry Neighborhood Feminist. We have a Twitter that we sometimes use at Yamp Podcast. Y A. N F podcast. We have a Facebook business and group page. Go ahead and rate and review us on the business page and chat with the other listeners in the group page. I have luckily been checking Facebook about every day now and approving people to get into the group. So there's no more like good, backlog good. of like 40 people <laughs> waiting to get in. I'm so, I didn't even know it was there. So now I'm at least like aware that it exists and I'm checking it. So everybody should be getting in in a timely manner. Um, let's see. Oh, you can also rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. That is the best way for you to show your support and to help us out. So if you haven't already, go and do that. And last but not least, if you want to help us out just a little bit, listen to us on the Radio Public app. It is a free way for you to listen to us, and it helps us just a bit. Indeed. Did I just hear a dog bark in your apartment? Yeah, outside. Oh my god, I thought it was... I'm like... There's no way you have a dog and two cats in your house right now. No, ma'am. Matilda would die. loud outside. Like, I... 
feel like such a grumpy old lady. Like, I'm like, why are you yelling? That's Why are you guys outside yelling right now? That's how we feel about the kids that play next door. That, like, skateboard right <laughs> outside our window and, like, yell. We're like, why do you have to do this right outside our window? It's crazy. All right. Well, with all that being said, we encourage you to rage on. To rage on. Bye-bye. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.